Hi everyone, welcome to Backstory Sessions. I'm your host Matt. We hope you enjoy this episode. stayed for long longer than just looking out the windows okay well you'll have to come to the derby or something sometime there Um, you go yeah well so we try to uncover the backstories of you know how you got to where you are um and all the things that led up to that so um you know in your backstory how does it begin where did you grow up I grew up uh, kind of all over the U.S. I bounced around a lot as a kid between Texas, Colorado, Northern California, Southern California, spent some time in Ohio, and eventually ended up in Southern California. Um, Always wanted to act, uh, love stories, love movies. Uh, I was a baseball player throughout most of my adolescence and teens and even as a young adult, and I thought that was potentially going to be a career that I could pursue, but athletics are a very harsh and kind of a brutally honest career if you just are not, you know, for lack of a better term, good enough to make it to the next level. But I think in failing in that, it taught me how hard I needed to work in the next endeavor that I was going to get into. And that was moving to Los Angeles to pursue a career in, you know, acting for film and television. Moved out there around uh, 2010. So I've been there around 10 years. And I've just been hitting the ground running ever since I got there. Um, I didn't have any credits moving out there. I didn't have any training moving out there. I didn't even really know how to get headshots. I didn't know how to acquire an agent or a manager. And I just, I was the type of person, you know, I'd row the boat out in the middle of the lake and just teach myself how to swim. So that's how I learned to navigate the waters of entertainment, at least to the point that I'm at now. Um, around 2015, I started writing more. It started to become apparent to me that actors are always trying to fit a mold. They're always trying to go in and create a character or show you their version of a character and their, their instincts 
Whereas another writer wrote that character, another producer is potentially making that product, and a director is either seeing the character they read on the page in their mind in you, or they're th thinking, can I change this person a little bit and maybe make them like that other character I read? So in my head, I thought the best way to maximize opportunity, because as an actor, you're always trying to maximize opportunities, is if I started writing my own content. Um, that's pretty much the beginning of, one second. <laughs> uh, excuse me, sorry about that. That was a sneeze, got a little, little allergies. Um, that was around the time that I just started to realize, you know, taking a little bit more responsibility and control of my own path, if you will. So from writing shorts to writing, you know, pilots to writing feature films, that is what has kind of led me into the point that I am today. And that is working in a production company that I co-founded with Lucas Solomon, who is the executive producer on fear along with Blair Pennington as well. And that just kind of gets us all caught up to speed to where fear came about. Fear was our first feature film, uh, that we shot out of our company. And, uh, yeah. Um, so in moving to all these different places, um, when you were younger, were you able to be involved in theater or anything like that? Not, not really. I just didn't have enough time in those places to really kind of set any roots or really dig in and, you know, meet anybody in that type of uh, part of the arts. Um, I was always drawing as a kid. That was something that I continue to do till today. But as far as anything dramatic, anything with theater, acting classes, I just never had the opportunity when I was younger. It just was not there. Um, sports, though, became more of a emphasis when I was around nine, ten years old. So um, you said that you grew up liking movies and TV shows, things like that. Um, what did you watch? What was interesting to you? When I was a kid... I mean, you know, not dating myself too much here, but, you know, VHS tapes were the only way that you could really kind of get to films unless you were going into movie theaters. Um, Drive-ins were still a thing, too, as well. You could go to a drive-in to watch a movie. But I loved everything that was like action-adventure, fantasy, sci-fi, anything that was bigger and that could kind of take you away into another place or a form of escapism. I mean, just to name a few, you know, Goonies I loved, Ghostbusters I loved. I love Star Wars, the entire Star Wars saga I'm a huge fan of. And these movies gave me the ability as a child to kind of like escape whatever I was going through or whatever I was a part of and just really play out these awesome stories that I'd seen on screen, going on a treasure hunt with your friends or, you know, <laughs> coming from nowhere and joining some galactic resistance and against some, you know, crazy oppressive regime like the Empire or something like that. Just as right. a kid, you just get so excited. So do you find that those early um, fascinations, uh, you know, with kind of escaping, um, they've influenced the writing or the type films that you do now? Absolutely. I think storytelling is a very, very human um, element. I think it's probably one of the oldest art forms that we have. And I think everybody needs a little bit of it every once in a while. You know, you can learn things from movies. Uh, you can be shown things in them that maybe it's uh, just a different way to do things. Uh, sometimes you can just say, hey, you know what? I want to tune out for 90 minutes or 120. And, you know, it can make you feel better at the end of that. And you can then get along with your day. But I've always enjoyed what film can do. Um, so for sports, um, you, you talked about the 
you know, brutally um, honesty of it, and especially um, in telling you if if you're going to be good enough, I guess. Mm. Um, So what was that like for you? Did you pursue, um, you know, like that as a career path for a while? I did. I did. I didn't take it as serious as I should have just because my work ethic at that time really wasn't defined as well. So uh, I wasn't training as hard as I should have. I wasn't dieting as hard as I should have. I wasn't, you know, lifting weights as hard as I should have. I should have been putting in a lot more work because anything worth having is worth working for. And if you're just not putting in the work, well, then you're just kind of talking about it. You're just, it's just a hobby to you. So that's the way that I was approaching it from the outside. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have a lot of, guess you could call you know god gifted ability to just be able to be athletic enough to perform at a high level but i didn't take it any further than that i didn't take what i'd been blessed with to then expand on that and that's why i hit a plateau that i did not get beyond sure all right so you you then sorry i have a question um what was the what was the uh pivotal moment for you deciding that okay sports aren't going to be the thing and I'm going to move into a different you know a different path move on to a different path and did you know what that path was at that time so the first part of that question Matt um it was probably in my early early it was probably my early 20s when you know, baseball didn't work out on the collegiate level. It wasn't really something that I was putting a lot of effort into on the traveling leagues that I was in. And I could just see that this was a path that was going nowhere, really. Uh, you know, it was either going to be, hey, you you might get put on a, a traveling ball club. You might not. Right. You know? So there was really no direction. And that was something that at that time I was starting to have perspective of, well, how much longer can I go on like this? So when that went away that part of my life i mean because sports is a very structured part of your life to up to a certain degree it starts to become like a job in a way right when that went away i had like this strange two or three year limbo period where i was like well what what do i really really want to do if yeah. if i can do what i want to do where do i go with this you know i graduated college i you know had my degree i was in youngstown ohio i didn't really know what i was going to do and then I just started being very honest with myself. I said, you know, hey, if money didn't matter, what what I do? You know, I always loved movies. I wanted to tell stories and I wanted to be in movies. I wanted to make movies. Mm-hmm. And I just said, hey, you know, if you're going to do this, you got to do it now because, you know, you're not, get, you're not getting any younger. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, that was the catalyst. And at that time, my cousin and I, you know, the cliche, you know, we packed our car to the roof and drove to Los Angeles. <laughs> so, you know, that was... Uh, that was basically how it all played out. The Ohio hillbillies. <laughs> yeah, right. So, <laughs> so what the was your expectation of what Ellie would be like versus the reality? Did it match or? Um, you know, it's that's a good question. L.A. is a fantastic place. It's a lovely city. I think what I think what you start to realize very. Maybe a little too late. I'll say this. Maybe you start to realize it a little too late. The things that you need to focus on in Los Angeles sometimes don't have a lot to do with the craft of acting or the art of being on stage or simply just being what most would call a good or a great actor. 
a lot of what the show, the entertainment industry is, it's a business. It's show business. And your network is very important. The people you meet, the people you talk to, because they are also trying to climb in their respective fields as well. Talk to those people, meet with those people, see what they've got going on. Tell them that you're working on this, that, and the other. Keep them abreast of what you have going on, because who knows where they're going to be in five years. Mm -hmm. um, that was something that I really didn't focus on when I first got there. I just kind of put my head down and said, I'm going to, I'm going to grind and I'm going to, you know, take these acting workshops and I'm going to meet people and th that are agents and managers. And well, when I was doing that, I was letting other opportunities pass me by. So you definitely need to be able to compartmentalize where your priorities are. It's a very busy city. It's a very tough city to live in. It's expensive. Uh, if the traffic doesn't break you down, the, uh, <laughs> the parking will. <laughs> So um, you just really have to be able to understand that this is a business. Not always the best person gets picked for the role. And you need to be able to take a lot, and I mean a lot, of rejection. And you still have to have the same enthusiasm going back afterwards. How do you maintain that, um, you know, with the rejection and still feeling confident that you're going to, you know, get a, pick yourself up and go to the next uh, audition? Exactly. Um, it's hard. You know, I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. It's, it's a very hard thing because you can go into a room and you can crush your read. You can get great responses in the room. People are laughing, they're clapping, they're crying, they're loving everything you're doing. And then it's crickets. You never hear anything. And you're going, what is going on? I thought these people really enjoyed my performance. I thought that it was a shoe in. I thought I was definitely going to get picked. And the exact opposite can happen. You can go in, forget lines, flood lines, redo, start from the beginning, go back to one. Hey, let's try it this way, try it that way. And you'll walk out thinking, oh, my God, that was terrible. That was a terrible read. And guess what? You booked the part. So <laughs> if, I, if I had some magical formula that I could tell people and say, ABC is going to lead you to XYZ, I would write that book and then I would retire on some island somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> because... <laughs> You know, there's just no rhyme or reason to why it works and why it doesn't. Um, but back to your question, Cat of Rejection, you just have to get used to it. And this is something that I think is really difficult for people that come from theater school and theater backgrounds. And maybe their 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 majors was studying drama in college and they grew up in like, you know, liberal arts programs where they had access to this you are constantly working on your craft in those scenarios. You are always acting, you're always performing. So it feels like that's just what happens. You're always acting. Hey, I'm always acting, I'm always acting. And can you do that on some level in LA? Sure, you can join a class, you can join a troupe, you can join a theater company. But I believe most people move there for a reason to act on a level of professional television and screen, you know, big blockbuster movies or whatever level you wanna be at. And so therefore, if you're just in your theater troupe, then you're probably like, well, hey, I was doing this in college. You know, I, I'm not doing, I'm not supporting myself. Um, the reality hits you pretty hard when you're probably in school working on 90% of your acting, 10% of the business. When, when you finally get out of school and get to LA, it's 90% business, 10% acting. So that's the part that you just have to kind of shift and get used to. And it's, it's very challenging. It's a very challenging thing to wrap your head around because there's a lot of doubt and that can creep in. You can wonder, Hey, am I not good enough? Why am I here? You know, yeah. all those things are valid too. all of those feelings and those emotions are completely valid. I mean, you'll go into a waiting room 
for your type. And you'll see people that are a little bit taller than you, but look like you. Maybe they have the same five o'clock shadow you do. They've all got the same hair color, eye color, and you're you're just going, wow, everybody is kind of like a version 1.2 or 1.3 of me here. How am I, how am I going to stick out? So that's just part of the challenge of grinding and moving forward and just taking no's and going thank you because it's not no, it's just not right now. Well, it sounds like there, there could be a little bit of an excitement in that of, you know, making yourself stand out, like how that might push your creativity a, a little bit further. Absolutely. Um, that's probably, I was saying this to one of our business partners recently. I was like, how do you go to a city where it's literally Los Angeles is the major hub for the entertainment industry. So everybody is very, you could say good looking. You know, if you think that somebody's good looking, then they're going to go there because it's either for modeling or acting. How do you stand out in a room full of people that are, you know, looking what some will call handsome or beautiful, you've right. got to do something. You've got to do something that kind of sets you apart, whether it's your ability to be quirky and offbeat, or maybe you're more dramatic and you have access to more emotional power. Maybe you just have something in your delivery that makes you stand out. There are a lot of things that can definitely help you rise above, but sometimes it takes a little bit of time to find that for yourself. So what was your first rejection and what was your first, uh, you got the part? Uh, first rejection. I mean, when you first get there and you've got no credits like I had in that time, I mean, I just, I looked at it like, okay, well, you know, it is what it is. They didn't like me this time. And then after about the 10th one, you're like, man, okay, I'm not, I'm not used to not hearing this. And then after the 20th one, you're like, whoa, geez, did I make a mistake? You know, and then it just keeps going in that pattern. And everybody tells you, hey, this is what it is. And you're just going, no, it can't be like this. It can't be, you can't be told no over and over. But eventually, you, you know, your persistence and your dedication, and, you know, you do book something. And um, the first thing I booked was a student film for USC and it was called all is not quiet. And I just remember thinking, Oh my gosh, you know, I, I, I finally booked something, you know, calling my dad. Oh my God, dad, I booked something. I booked it. I booked it. And, uh, we shot on the universal back lot, you know, just world famous, amazing production design. It was a Western. It was a period piece. I loved it. You know, you got a six shooter, old school Smith and Wesson looks super cool. Um, <laughs> You know, just you're you're wearing these cool old time clothes. You're around stage coaches and old saloons. And I mean, you've got the carts from Universal going around and they're waving at you like you're like you're on some huge production. And in my head, I'm like, well, I'm only on the student film, but this feels pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was just it was amazing. And I think that's what replenishes you as a performer is when you get that opportunity to perform. It makes all of those rejections and those no's and those questions, it makes it all worth it because you know you're doing exactly what you love doing and what you're meant to do. And then if you're fortunate enough, you your booking to no ratio starts to balance out a little more. Hmm. So, yeah, so I guess it, in a way it shows you that um, the system, you know, really can work out for you. Uh, it yeah. was hard to believe that when you're like getting the 20 no's, but you know, it seems like maybe that's a turning point for motivation, I would think. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, this isn't, uh, 
this isn't a business of, you know, constant, 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 constant rejection. There's a lot of it, but you do break through, you know, you'll book an industrial, you'll book a commercial, you'll book a short film. I think what you start to do as you book more work and you start to build a larger resume is you start to get hungrier. You know, you're like, hey, I booked that short film. Now I want to book a co-star role on television. And then you book a co-star role on television. Now I want to book, you know, a lead in a feature film. You know, and then you have you set new goals for yourself. And those goals can kind of build off of your previous either rejections or your achievements. So let's uh, shift gears a little bit here and uh, tell us about fear. How you got involved in that project and, uh, you know, what it's about and that sort of thing. Sure, sure. So Fear is a survival thriller about a family that is trying to survive during a what you could call hellacious pandemic. They've been trapped behind a wall that has been built up, just corralling them off from the rest of the population in the Pacific Northwest. And inside of there, it's kind of a no holds barred. It's the wild, wild west. People are fending for themselves and you have these almost tribalistic cannibalistic people that are going after one another because resources are becoming extremely scarce and in this film we follow one family going through just some very very hard times and another family that comes in and wants what they have that's the overall kind of arcing view of what the film's about mm -hmm. um i initially started the story off as just a husband and wife camping and they were in a cabin and they let a drifter in and then he ended up torturing them. That was the story initially. That's kind oh, wow. of all it was, but it didn't have enough in it. You know, when you only have three players in your story, you better have some really compelling conflict. You better have some cool things going on because it, it's challenging to write a story that's going to continue to keep people engaged for, you know, 90 minutes or so. So as I continued to massage the script more and, you know, build out a little bit of a larger world within there, I brought in an additional family. I brought in uh, additional characters and players that could help bring in additional conflict for the Alistairs, Ethan and Joe, to deal with. Um, it was probably around beginning of 2018 where I was booked on a commercial in Colorado. And I went out to Colorado to shoot this commercial for a restaurant company. And I meet our executive producer, Blair Pennington, because he ran the company out there in Colorado. I saw that he was, you know, he had basically a small, tiny production company. He had his own camera, he had his own lights, he had a truck, he had flags. And so after we wrapped on the shoot, I just started, you know, asking him, hey, you know, what do you want to do? It's, it looks like you want to start doing more than just commercials or shorts. He goes, well, I want to shoot a feature film. And at that time, Lucas and myself had established action figure a year prior. And we said, well, why don't you come out to California? Come and meet Lucas. You know, maybe we can figure something out. You know, maybe we can, you know, co-produce or co-partner on something. Mm -hmm. Well, when Lucas and Blair met one another, they just hit it off. You know, kindred spirits in a way. You know, they're, they're go-getters, they're entrepreneurs. They're just, they're, they're great people. And that's when Blair joined up with us in action figure and, we started going over what we could possibly do. We started looking at budgetary restrictions and when we could shoot, what we could shoot. Uh, fear seemed like a very good fit because it was a, a genre film. And, you know, genre has a little bit more leniency in the market because, hey, I get it. Everybody wants to see The Rock or Bradley Cooper or <laughs> Scarlett Johansson. But, you know, they can only work so many movies. Right. So, um, you know, when I presented the package to them and, 
I said, I think we could pull this off, guys. You know, I think this is something that we could do very well with the resources we have. And uh, sure enough, we started jamming September of 2018, you know, pre-production. And then uh, we were shooting January of 2019. Wow, that's awesome. Well, one, one thing that stood out to me, like I had made a couple of quotes from it and leading, I guess, a little to what you said about the appeal of this um I um, jotted down, there's no hiding, there's uh, no running from it, fear. It's always going to be there. So, yeah. um, you know, in that sense, I think that would draw in everyone because I, I think that is true. Uh, there's always a present fear of some kind for everyone. Absolutely. I mean, the there's a point in the film where the father character I play, Ethan, uh, is talking to his son, Josh, uh, played by Danny Ruiz. And, you know, he has this small monologue that he's explaining to his son and talking about fear and what it does to people and how it can how it can paralyze them, how it can kill hope. And it's a very real thing that everyone deals with on their own personal levels. You know, how many how many people never you know took the leap and maybe asked that person out that they wanted to, or maybe they never took the job, or maybe they never tried the thing they wanted to do. And, you know, it all kind of comes back to, we have choices and those choices can sometimes be clouded with that fear. And, you know, it can be very debilitating. You know, it's a very, very challenging part of our lives to navigate. Well, and with the pandemic, it's, uh, I would think a very timely topic. Um, like this yeah. Lot that you're talking about and fear. Uh, I mean, that's really a root of what we've experienced. And then uh, the other quote I wrote down is you just sort of referenced um, you always have a choice, is mm -hmm. how you use that fear that matters. And I think how powerful that is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wrote that monologue um, kind of harkening back to a lot of the decisions I was making that I touched on earlier about failing in baseball, you know, I didn't know if, you know, pursuing a career in entertainment was going to work, <laughs> you know, I mean, I just tried to do something that I didn't put a lot of emphasis into, but I was good at it. And I'd never even done the next thing I was getting ready to do. And I'm thinking, I'm just going to go act at the professional level. You know, there was a lot of fear involved with that. So that, that, that monologue is, really kind of me talking to myself about making the choice to pursue a career in the entertainment industry, you know, moving forward from that, that point in my life in my twenties. Well, I definitely found that to be very, uh, it drew me in. Uh, I could definitely relate. And I, I just think that's such a universal, I mean, even just choosing that as the title, um, you know, why, why did you just use one word here? Call it like, call it a filmmaker thing. I like simple one-word titles. I don't know what it is. They they look cool on the one sheet. They they rattle off the tongue quick. Um, the fear acronym. Uh, I believe our distributor here in the United States is going with fear one word non acronym. But on the script on the page, it's fear acronym F E A R, and that is forget everything and rise or face everything or forget everything and run. Excuse me. So it's forget everything and run, face everything and rise. And, you know, again, it's the choices you have. You, wow. you have a choice to either face it or run from it. And, uh, you know, I think there was a there was another uh, Mark Wahlberg uh, film 
that he did with Alicia Silverstone in the 90s called Fear. So maybe that was partially one of the reasons why they didn't want to use the acronym version. But, you know, it comes back around in the film as well. We have uh, a story point and a plot point that hits on that as well. Interesting. So, uh, yeah, that, that sounds like a really interesting film. And uh, we, you know, hope that everyone will go see it. Um, as do we. <laughs> when is it uh, going to be out, or is it out, or what's the uh, plan? It'll it'll be released here June fifteenth uh, in the United States, and you can pre-order it now on Amazon. And I believe, depending on your cable provider or your streaming services, it will be released on June fifteenth as a date and date release. So it will pop up with like the new releases on that day. Oh, cool. Great. So you must be excited about that to see your work. Uh, you know. Uh, absolutely yeah absolutely matt i mean i'm just excited for everybody that really just gave so much of their time energy uh to this project we had amazing amazing people in front of the camera behind the camera and it's really an testament to just when you bring great people together they almost they almost kind of vibe off one another and if somebody's doing something and they're and they're getting inspired by it, it inspires them to want to do and kind of step their game up as well and you could see that starting to happen on set and it was just fantastic that we were able to have a group like that you know that everybody was bringing their a game if you will right and did you you were uh directing this or was that i co-directed i co-directed with jeff reisner jeff and i have been friends for a long time and we've collaborated on other projects together but to date i hadn't i hadn't directed anything of this scale Right. And, you know, he had directed features before, and he also just had the background to be able to kind of break things down, come up with a shot list. And so for me, it was almost like a loose internship of learning under him, but as well as, you know, taking on and accepting responsibilities to take a lot of the load off of him. Because he wasn't in California at the time. He was in Chicago. Yeah. So prepping and getting the film ready and getting everything up and running and going into pre-production, that was all me with keeping Jeff abreast, obviously, throughout the process. But then once we got into production, that's when we started to pass off certain responsibilities to one another so that we could really focus and get the best out of what we were really trying to at the time of. And and then moving into post-production, you know, the same thing. We just tackled it from, hey, what can what can you handle here? What can, you know, I can handle this here. Right. And that's great to be, ha to be able to have that kind of shorthand with someone um, especially as a performer, because the last thing I wanted to be was the guy that's like, cut, okay, and I'm running back to Video Village and <laughs> telling, them, telling them to play it back for me. You know, if Jeff gives me a nod and throws me a thumbs up, and I'm, I, I trust him, and, and, and I'm like, good, okay, cool, moving on. <laughs> so uh, because this was your first directing uh, spot, um, would you do it again? I mean, was it something that you enjoyed, or was it like absolutely yeah. <laughs> absolutely okay. Matt. i don't mean to cut you <laughs> off but just absolutely i loved it i thought it was great it's 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 a very surreal experience to see your work come from the page to the three-dimensional mm -hmm. um you know because it's very true uh, there's a saying there's the movie you write there's the movie you shoot and there's the movie you edit so you know there's a there's a movie i wrote that was on the page and then there's the movie that we shot that i was physically watching come to life and then there's the movie that we were editing in post-production that, you know, things were changing. We had to make adjustments. And But it's just such a cool collaborative process mm -hmm. to be able to bring in 
other folks that are so talented in their respective fields that just make this kind of gumbo or this stew that is so cool, you know, loved it. Great. So if you could only write or only direct or only act, which would Oof. you do? <laughs> if I could only do one of the three, I would act. If I could only do one of the three. You know. Yeah. Is there any, yeah, that's, any that's role that. that you're looking for? that you'd really like to do you you know feel like uh, gotta do it you know before. yeah yeah I'd, I'd love to play something period i i did do a movie called the second coming of christ where i played jesus christ and that was a um that was that was interesting yeah. to say the least <laughs> uh you know you, you're you're dealing with uh you know just a lot of a lot of thoughts there and, yeah but um you know if i could play one role at least moving on from fear because fear was actually a role that I wrote for myself that I was not getting auditions for. People did not see me as the vulnerable, but strong guy. It was always, well, you're strong. You know, you're, you're a rugged guy. You know, right. you can do this. They wouldn't give me a shot to show them emotion or vulnerability. I just was not getting those roles. So I said, well, you know what? I'll write the role then I'll write the role that I want to play for this. Just show you that I can do it. Um, but if I could do something else, I think another role that I would really, really enjoy is, a coach you know like a coach of something right you know something along the lines of like a denzel and remember the titans yeah you know sure. I, I i love that movie you know great film um yeah. you know, gene hackman and hoosiers yeah. you know just like those coaches like those mentor characters that are like they're, they're trying to instill values in young people and give them a, a leg up and you know those are i think those are roles that show you know that you care you know that you care and, and, and you want to give on and you want to pass on and you want good things for people moving forward. Right. What about like comedy or romance or any of that stuff? You want to get into any of that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Those are, those are a given. I thought you were asking me the next one I'd like to do. No, um, no well, yeah. I mean, whatever, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love rom-coms, you know, sorry, guilty pleasure. You know, I love it. How <laughs> they never, they never seem like they're going to work out. And then at the end, they, they typically do not all of them, but they right, typically yeah. do. I love them. Comedy I'm is another right one. I'm there with you on those. <laughs> yeah. All right, Kat. All right. She's like, oh, they're great. Romantic, so. Yeah. Hey, well, great, I though. saw you dancing. Uh, I saw a clip of, you know, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, so you must do you have some dance background too or I, I do have a little bit of a dance background. I taught uh, dance at YSU called YSU Dance Ensemble for two years. So we have this small class. We'd have about anywhere from like ten to twenty people in the class and we work on hip hop and break dancing and different things like that. And you know, it was just it was fun. You know, it was great to get together with people and just like learn different types of dance as well, because we would teach that to other people, whereas other people would teach us salsa and tap and lyrical and modern. And it was fun. It was a cool time. Um, but yeah, the, uh, I mean, the characters, comedy is another one that like you brought up, Matt, that yeah. I love comedy. It's, uh, I did a film called Pterodactyl that came out in 2016 where I'd call it a comedy creature feature if you will think of it like a maybe like a tremors or like a sharknado uh, but yeah. it's got a lot of heart you know <laughs> so but i got to be comedic in that role i got to be you know a funny guy and you know that's stuff that i love doing because as an actor i think you just you always kind of want to stretch yourself a little bit right because if you start playing the same thing over and over sure always always very very grateful to be able to work but you also want to feel challenged respectively to some degree of like okay what am i going to do different this time mm -hmm. what am i going to do or try 
So uh, I think it'd also be cool to play a superhero. I think that's something that I just, I love. Yeah. <laughs> I love superhero stuff. <laughs> that's cool. So like Star Wars, mm-hmm. you'd definitely be in that. Somewhere. Oh, totally. <laughs> totally. In a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Any, uh... Wouldn't have to, Go ahead. Wouldn't have to send me the script. Wouldn't even have to send me... They'd just say, yeah, Star Wars called. Like, yeah. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. Any uh, buddy that you want to work with that, uh, you know... Oh, geez. I mean, if, if I could work with some people, I'd love to work with uh, Dennis Villeneuve. I think he is a amazing filmmaker. Um, just the stuff, uh, Blade Runner 2049, right. Prisoners, um, you know, he's doing the new Dune movie. I think, it, or I just watched Arrival recently. I mean, he's just a visionary. I, I love the way he composes mm-hmm. uh, a frame and directs. Uh, I love Catherine Bigelow's stuff. I really enjoyed Hurt Locker. I think for her, the the hard nosed militaristic side of things that she can capture. I mean, I love Point Break. Point Break's great. Oh, she yeah. did Point Break. Yeah. You know, so fun film. Um, gosh, I mean, of course, there's like the heavy hitters, like yeah. a Spielberg or a Jim a Jim Cameron or you know a Scorsese. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, I guess at, at the end of the day, I just I want to work with people that want to create cool stuff um, and that are you know open to you know working with people that aren't. The Rock and Emily Blunt. I don't right, know. Nothing yeah. against those two, but you know, <laughs> they're they're crushing it right now with Jungle Cruise and Fast and Furious and right. you know, Quiet Place. So, yeah. just want to keep stretching those stretching those wings. So what? Do you have any celebrity crush that you? <laughs> <laughs> I I do actually. I do. I think Selma Hayek is just beyond not only a fantastic actress, but I just. Whenever she's on screen, I'm glued. I'm glued to it. <laughs> you know, yeah. She's in a good rom com too. It's called Fools Rush In with Matthew Perry. I always love that rom com. It's fun. Do you like to replace Matthew Perry in that role? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, Matt, take a break. Take a break. I got this one. Sit down. I got this one. Here. Yeah. We'll see what we can do about that. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Make some calls, guys. Yeah, Make yeah. Some calls. Let me know. Sure. <laughs> Uh, all our influence, you know. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, so, um, yeah. Any other tidbits of information you want to give us, like what you might be working on next? Uh, you know, we're, well, I've got another film coming out this year called A Dangerous Defense. Uh, it'll be coming out on either Hallmark or the Lifetime Network, one of the two. So I'm excited for people to see that. It's a female-driven thriller. Um, it'll be fun. I think people should definitely check that out. And then for us at Action Figure, we're looking at shooting something in the fall, winter. We just need to see what's going on with COVID for the time being. Uh, right, it's a right. very, it's very challenging for productions, especially yeah. if you are an independent production. You know, it's a, it's a significant financial um, cost that you need to cover. So, right. you know, if that's not hitting the screen, then it's, it's tough when you know you got to make sure everybody's safe and, you know, it's such a big chunk you need to put in there. Yeah, do you so do you do like the whole LA scene party, you know, like showing up to all the events and doing all the party circuit and all that stuff too? Not really. Not really. Uh, you know, since I've started taking my career as serious as I can, um, you know, I I do try to I have to let's put it this way. I have to tell myself to go out and socialize. You okay. know, obviously like I <laughs> like I mentioned earlier about the networking, I make that very 
very it's a very important part of the business so you know networking is one thing but parting is another too right, I mean, yeah. some people could say well hey that's that goes hand in hand but i don't necessarily think it yeah. does all the time but um yeah i mean i just i love working on you know projects i love writing i love uh doing table reads i love auditioning you know obviously I love working uh, whenever i'm on set but uh, i feel like if you're if you're focused too much on just being seen and getting out there Maybe it works for some. I it just never really worked for me all that much. Right. Interesting. Yeah, you got anything else? Well, I just think that you have a really uh, motivational backstory and um, especially a great work ethic. I think that goes like a really long way, no matter what career path that you choose. And uh, I've really enjoyed the things you've shared with us today, and I can't wait to watch Beer. And, well, thank you. You know, I just feel like uh, we'll be seeing many great things that come from you, and I so appreciate that you came on to backstory sessions today to share some of these um, ideas and inspirations with us. Yes, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I mean, we, you know, we talk to you for another hour if you let us, but uh, I understand that you have things you got to do as a busy guy, and. Uh, you know, we do appreciate you coming by and telling us about your projects and how you got there, and uh, it's awesome. Thank you, thank you, and likewise, thank you for the time. You know, I always, always love talking to folks about not only what I love to do, but just you know, vibing with them and ripping with them, and you know, it's, it's again, it's like the storytelling part of stuff, it's the enjoyable part of transferring information from one person to another. Right. Yeah. All right. So. Uh, yeah, uh, we will end it here. And uh, again, thank you for being here. Awesome. Well, I, again, Matt, Kat, thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking with both of you. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can send those to Kat at IWritePlays at Outlook.com or you can write to me at BackstorySessions at gmail.com or Matt at Level11Ventures.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.